Aloha everyone, my name is Natasha and I'm from Singapore. I am currently a senior at um, BYU Hawaii and my major is business management with an emphasis on marketing. Uh, my minors, I minor in history and political science. Well, before we meet our special guest today, we just want to thank our guest from last Monday's Mentoring Monday podcast, Carrie Moyai. And for our Aloha Friday podcast this week, um, we will have Randy Booth as our guest on Friday at 3 p.m. So make sure you tune in. It's in Hawaii Standard Time. And for next Monday, it's going to be exciting. We have Elder and Sister McCarty as our guest for Mentoring Monday podcast, April 18 at 3 p.m. Same time, um, Hawaii Standard Time. They are leaving soon, so it's going to be exciting. Make sure you tune in then. Well, now I'd like to introduce our speaker. Today, we have Brett Grove. Um, Brett Grove graduated from BYU-Hawaii in the spring of 2000. In 2003, he co-founded LinkTrust, a marketing tracking software company based in Utah. They grew the company over about 15 years and eventually sold it in January of 2018. He and his family then returned to Hawaii in 2019, and Brett says it was always the intention to return to BYU-Hawaii and give back to the students here. He is currently the Director of Digital Marketing at the Polynesian Cultural Center and teaches as an adjunct professor of Advanced Digital Marketing here in BYU-Hawaii. Well, let us now welcome our guest, Brett Grove. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Brother Grove. Well, it's so great to have you on. You've had an impressive introduction here. Um, well, tell us. A little bit more. I've been curious. Um, what made you decide to return to BYU Hawaii after all these years? I mean, you say here that it was always your intention, but what was it really that made you want to come back? Well, you know, it was more of a dream than something we thought could actually be something that happened. So um, my wife really wanted to come and do a give back project for uh, BYU Hawaii. And I thought that was a great idea if it was going to be possible but when you own your own company it was uh maybe something i wasn't sure could be a possibility mm -hmm. because, uh, you know when you own your own company you either have to sell it or you have to be the last one to leave you know so uh um but uh, yeah it's been our dream to come to byu hawaii and to share some of the things that we learned in business and in marketing that we could help the students be more prepared as they come out into the, the professional world True. That's really nice to hear. I guess Hawaii definitely is a place that, a place of refuge, I guess, especially in Laie. It's peaceful and the community community here is so great. Um, then that's being said, I see that you've, like, shortly after you graduated, you founded a company. But in between, during 2000 and 2003, I guess, what did you do? What were the steps after graduation? So, Here's a bit more about me. I'm graduating this semester. How nervous am I? Extremely. <laughs> I'm a bit afraid to step into the world, but what, what is some advice you'd have for me, especially going out in this time? That is a great question. And I remember clearly what it was like as I was getting ready to graduate. Uh, and I felt completely unprepared, right? I just felt like, was the world really what they said it was when I was in college? Did I really have the skills that could help me get a job? Um, because once you get into the real world, I always felt like, oh man, it's like sink or swim. What's going to happen? And so um, when I graduated from BYU, 
Hawaii, I actually went full time with an internship uh, that I had down in Honolulu. So I always recommend having an internship during your senior year, making those business contacts because mine turned into a full-time job, which was, which was great. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started doing web development, um, graphic design and uh, networking. So computer networking Mm -hmm. down in Honolulu. And then uh, about the time that um, 9-11 happened, uh, we decided maybe it was a good time we didn't know what state the world was going to be in, whether we were going to go to war or what was going to happen here in Hawaii. So we uh, decided now would be a good time to move back to the mainland, closer to family, closer to more resources. Uh, and that's kind of how we launched into the mainland. Oh, oh sorry. Well, I was just thinking, um, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of folks believe that um, if they get their resume out to everybody that they can, like on the Internet, that they're bound to get a job. But I think the most useful thing that I found was not getting my my uh, resume emailed to lots of different people that I didn't know, but it was working through the contacts or the people that I did know or that through family members and friends that they knew. So mm-hmm. having that network has proved to be way more valuable over time um, than just job hunting you know, mm-hmm. like door to door or phone to phone or showing up or contacting through email. Um, so I, I always recommend to anybody who's graduating to number one, start creating your network now, like reach out to professionals, reach out to board members who are in the industry you like or family and friends. Find out which uh, family and friends or their friends are doing what you love to do and start building those relationships and those connections. For sure. I've heard the phrase so many times, your net worth is your network, something like that. Your network is your net worth or the other way around. But I guess it's true because as I've applied for different companies, something I've noticed is that I always get an interview when I know somebody that knows somebody yeah. in the company. And that is always, it helps so much more to get the job. Yeah, you want to make it easy for the people giving the job to give you the job. And the easiest way is when somebody knows you and can vouch for you, right? Mm-hmm. Because then it eliminates a lot of the risk that that hiring uh, person has to go through or to decide whether they made a good hire. Because if they hired you and you recommend a friend and you highly recommend them and they like you and they think you're doing a good job, then the risk level of hiring your friend is really low. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. Well, I guess then that leads me to my next question. Um, I may have gotten this answered along the way as I um, have tried to network, I guess. But what is something important about networking? Or when somebody reaches out to you to network, what is something that you look for in them? Uh, well, if somebody is reaching out to me, I mean, they're generally looking for contacts where they might be able to find a job, right? So they're networking through me. Um, what am I looking for in them? I'm looking for who sent them, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, looking back at the network and say, well, who do I know this person through? Um, if I respect and I trust the person that's referring them to me, I automatically have a certain level of trust and respect for the person that they've sent. So, mm-hmm. so just the reputation of the person sending them is, is big. The next thing is just how prepared are they for finding a job, 
right? Is their resume ready? Is their LinkedIn profile up to date? Um, when they introduce themselves to me or I meet them, are they presenting themselves in a professional, um, a professional fashion? And uh, those are the key things because I don't know them, right? So in a sense, I'm sort of interviewing whether I feel comfortable sending them out to my network. So those are the things I look for. True. Well, that's that's really helpful to know, I guess, because I sometimes feel like ugh, I don't know a purpose in networking. I mean, they say to expand your network, but sometimes it's just a bit confusing where that goes. Um, but thank you for that. That was really helpful. Uh, I just wanted to, I heard that you're teaching your first year here at BYU Hawaii, first time teaching classes here. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's, I think, been two and a half years since oh. I started teaching, but it's the first place I've ever taught uh, was at BYU Hawaii. So. Okay. And which classes are you teaching now? Uh, so we have an internship style class where we have students come in. Uh, it's called marketing topics or topics in marketing. And they come in and work directly for our marketing team. So we assign them to managers. They get practical hands-on experience being employees in a marketing department for digital marketing and e-commerce. Mm -hmm. And that's a fantastic class. I recommend if anybody's interested in marketing or e-commerce, it's a great class to take. Um, and then we also have advanced digital marketing where students will earn up to seven different digital marketing certifications. And then we have, um, oh goodness, what is it called? Um, strategies and marketing leadership, I believe it's called. I, I get it mixed up, but it's essentially another class that I teach uh, for Ann Springer that uh, teaches a variety of different digital marketing practices. So. That's really cool. And because you're working at the Polynesian Cultural Center, I think these students come and help, uh, not help, but learn out from the Polynesian Cultural Center. Is that right? One of those classes is where they come into the Polynesian Cultural Center. The other two are not associated to the Polynesian Cultural Center. They're um, just BYU classes. So they're all remote or online classes. And then um, they have a curriculum that we go through and then we meet every week to go over that curriculum and do some discussion topics and learn more about different aspects of digital marketing. That's cool. Yeah, I, I know, I feel like the curriculum, cause now that I'm approaching graduation, I feel like the curriculum has for marketing has almost changed a little bit over the past one year or so and introduced a lot of ex exciting classes such as I think they had be Digital, the marketing agency for BYU Hawaii, and they had the Polynesian Cultural Center, one of which I yep. believe was just recently, was it introduced? Yes, I feel like it recently became a thing. Um, well, that being said, when going on to the world as like a marketer, what are some skills that are essential for me, I guess, as a person going on to the marketing world? Okay, so if you really want to get into digital marketing specifically, mm -hmm. um, key skills would be understanding, number one, I think, is as you're getting into a profession, mm -hmm. nobody is going to expect that you know too much, right? Because you don't have a lot of experience. But they, what they really want to do is know that you are teachable and that you can, uh, you can overcome hurdles to success. So if you... If you bump into things that you don't know, you're the type of person that can go figure them out and bring those back to the team with a solution. And so um, 
some of the skills that obviously are things like social marketing, content marketing, search engine optimization, search engine, uh, paid, paid search engine marketing, uh, affiliate marketing, things of that nature. Um, so having certifications, I think, is one of the most important things you can do, because when you put that on your resume that you have these seven certifications in these seven disciplines of digital marketing, it tells it tells that employer that you have the basics of getting up and running in a fairly holistic fashion across digital marketing channels. And so they are going to be confident that they're not going to have to do a lot of training and a lot of a lot of uh, employers, they might hire you on, and you might be the only marketing person or their first marketing person. Mm. So they won't know whether you know what you know, right? Okay. <laughs> so they might be interviewing you to help do marketing, and certifications to them say that you know what you're doing, so that they don't have to worry about uh, whether they have to figure out whether you know what you're doing. And so I, I really, really recommend that students get certifications. And there, there is no single certification that's recognized industry-wide necessarily. Mm -hmm. So um, that's not as important as just showing that you can get certifications in the different areas of digital marketing. True. That's, that's a good one. I know that, especially in classes as of late, we've been pushing out whether it be LinkedIn certification or Google Analytics certification. That's something I've realized that professors have kind of shifted to yeah. um, over the past couple of years, which has been great. And it adds so much to my portfolio and the value of my education here. Yeah. Um, well, what is... <laughs> How do you, how would you describe the job market now for people coming out as marketers? Because just because I see a lot of the job requirements require this two-year minimum experience before they'll hire you. Yeah. How would I get over that? Well, this is really asking for me because <laughs> like two years, I'm like, I have six months of running a social media. Yeah. How would you get over that? That's a tough one, right? Because you 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 see that requirement and you say, well, wait a second, I don't have two years experience. How do I go get two years experience? Who's going to give me experience if I don't have any? Um, and so number one is hopefully you've done some planning ahead, right? And that's one reason why we have this class at the PCC is that we give people experience so that they can put it on their resume. Experience trumps education when it comes to getting the job. Education is important, but having that experience, if it's you against somebody else and you have experience and they just have education, it's gonna weigh much more heavily in your favor. Mm -hmm. um, so don't also, I would say, don't consider that that two years requirement is uh, strict. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's what they wish they could get. That's what they would like to get but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to hire you. Um, they're, they're trying to put together a certain benchmark of what they're looking for, but they are not always going to get that. And I should say, if you have some certifications and you have the education behind you and you come in for the interview and they really like you and they think you're a good fit for the organization, they will overlook oftentimes uh, areas of experience and such. Um, not everybody that they uh, interview is going to check off all the boxes of the job that they're advertising. And they know that 
they're going to have they're going to find people that are stronger in one area and a little weaker in another or they have experience in this area but they don't have experience in another so if you have certifications or you have some practical experience that will go a long way and oftentimes that will be enough to get you in the door even if the job description says that they want you to have two years experience true well that's comforting to know yeah yeah and you know what also i would say look back at what you've been doing to find out mm -hmm. do you have other experience that you're not giving yourself credit for mm. what other marketing experience do you have and maybe it's more grassroots marketing maybe it's like you know uh before i went on my mission i did door-to-door -door sales i only did it for a week because i couldn't stand it but i did it for a week that is marketing experience. I have an experience in that kind of marketing, right? So think back to all the different things that you've done. If you had a, if you had a lemonade stand or you started your own business or you were doing mentoring or something like that, um, those are things that also, when added all together, give you that experience. That's good to know because I think a lot of us discount our experiences and I guess we don't put together everything that we actually have. We just think what is what an employer would want and like the main jobs that we've held. But we really had so much experience that we just don't think of. Yeah. Well, I guess moving away from the job search, um, tell me a bit about your, um, Link Trust, the company that you founded in 2003. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I was, first of all, I was hired by another marketing company, another marketing agency to do various jobs within that company. And um, I met uh, a friend of mine in that company and we both got our heads together and decided, hey, you know what, what I do in this job could be automated. We could program something to do what I'm doing. And so that's essentially the start of my own company was that we got together and founded a company together called Link Trust, which is a digital marketing analytics software. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also was a platform that could capture and track and distribute leads, like people's information, contact information. And so um, that was something that we started just him and him and myself working uh, uh, in the evening times, building a platform because we saw that there was a need in the marketplace. Uh, not only that, did I see that I could replace all the manual work that I was doing, all the tracking and reporting work that I was doing for the company I was working for, but I knew that if I was having that same problem, other people were probably doing a lot of that work manually as well. And when we looked around, we only found one company that was actually a solution provider for this. And when you find one company that does what you need, it's a great opportunity to move in and provide a competitive solution. Well, that that's a really good way to look at things, I guess, looking at the supply and demand of the current market and yeah. um, addressing where there needs supply and where's the, where there's demand for a product, I guess. Um, did you always want to start your own company or was it something that you just thought, hey, if I have an issue doing this, was it just that or? That was it. I, I never saw myself as starting my own company. I always thought it was too risky. I was like, oh, I don't really want the risk. You know, I really just want to sit down, have a desk, do a job for somebody, get a paycheck. Thought that would be the ideal job. Um, and, and then seeing the need out there for something and then realizing how, wow, if we can provide a solution to that and we can make a lot of money, 
that's pretty exciting. And um, we actually started building the software for the company while I had my full-time job. And I recommend that to a student, any students. If you want to start your own business, don't quit the job you have. Don't do it. It's too risky. Um, keep the job you have. Work on the business that you want to have at nights. Work on it on the side. Work on it when you have free time on the weekends. And make sure that it's working and that it gets traction and that it's producing revenue before you lose your benefits, before you quit your job and put your family in jeopardy. So that was something, that was why we did it the way we did, was we started doing it uh, in our free time. And then when we felt like we had enough traction, we had enough client that we could go after and we could support ourselves, then we decided to cut ties with our employer and move forward. And the interesting thing was, is that our first customer was my employer. So they recognized the value we had already had them using our platform. They were sort of our test guinea pig on it, and they were happy to use it because it was saving them money. Um, and then when it came a point in time, it was like, okay, this thing can actually be sold to other companies. We approached them and said, we're going to go and do this full time. Would you like to be our first client? And so that's how we got started. Oh, that's, that's way cool. Um, that's actually super cool. Well, how long did it actually take for your business to take off? Or <laughs> you know, how many nights, how many, how, how long did you have to plow through that before it took off? Uh, I still wonder if it took off to this day. <laughs> um, it never became as big as what I had hoped or visioned. Um, but, um, but the company, you know, the company had its ups and downs, like every company, right? I think one thing that I wish... I had done was that I had taken more business classes before I started my own business because I was an information systems major. So I was into like technology, not necessarily running businesses. And so um, we made plenty of business mistakes trying to get it launched and, and over the course of 15 years still made lots of business mistakes. Um, and I think the key was what did I learn from those business mistakes that we made? Uh, the company was uh, still became successful. However, there were times where we weren't sure if we were going to make it. And um, uh, eventually uh, the company was acquired in 2018. Uh, and that was actually great because it was a good time. I was looking to do something new. I'd been doing that for quite a while and wanted to um, kind of expand and see what else was out there. And I had never worked for a big company before like a big company of hundreds of employees. So I was like, I'm curious, you know, like, I would like to go have that experience. And so um, having the company acquired in 2018 gave me that opportunity to, to go out into um, the workforce and work for some larger organizations. True, That's, it sounds like it was a very busy and almost stressful time during that period, especially when you have to, you know, kind of build in, in moments of crisis when your company is going through that mm -hmm. um, it must have been hard well how did you then balance between family and work if you know you take your work home at night how did you strike that balance um sometimes pretty good and sometimes not well at all so <laughs> it depended a lot on the stress levels of what was going on um but I, I remember putting things in place like, okay, I'm going to put my phone away when I get home, which, you know, didn't last for very long. And um, 
I'm not going to get on my phone and check emails and answer emails after hours or on the weekends, which again, didn't last for very long. So um, we really tried to promote a positive working environment and balance between home and work. So we made it a point to close the office at five o'clock every day and not keep people late um, and just try to be very family friendly. Um, but you have to, I mean, it's something that I had to work on all the time was to not, um, to not jeopardize my family time. And I jeopardized my family time a ton. Like I made so many mistakes. You just talk to my wife, she'll tell you that I did this. And so, um, that's something that I look back to learn from and say, okay, I don't want to repeat those mistakes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work so long or be so, um, I guess, I guess sometimes it's not about working. It's about just being mentally preoccupied, right? Mm -hmm. Being mentally preoccupied with your job when you're not at your job. And I think what one tool that really helps me now is, um, meditation. Um, also going out and making sure that I have a social life, like getting friends together and doing something and really being more mindful of what I'm spending my time on so that I'm present when I'm with my friends or I'm present when I'm with my children or my wife. And I'm not thinking about three things while I'm at home with the kids. I think, I think even, well, even though you, I don't have a family. I feel like that happens a lot to me too. And I feel that, you know, there's so many things that goes on in the mind and you have so many problems at hand that you just want to address and you can't and it preoccupies your mind. It takes yeah. away from everything. That's a really good thing. Meditation. I will have to try that. You know, another good thing that I, that I still use today is writing a to-do list. Mm. At the end of the day, just do a brain dump of everything that is on your mind that you're like, oh, and I got to remember this and don't forget about that. And oh, yeah, this was a good idea. Don't forget about that. Write it out on a list and leave it there for tomorrow on a piece of paper. Right. Mm -hmm. Because then you know that all the ideas are captured and you can sort of mentally take a rest from it rather than constantly reminding yourself of, oh, I need to make sure I do this. Oh, and don't forget about this needs attention and that needs attention. Right. Just get it on paper so you can let it go for a while. Funny thing. I actually keep a notepad by my bed and when I can't sleep at night because my thoughts are all in my head, I just jot them all down and I close yeah. it and I have a good night's rest. So yeah. <laughs> sleep better at night. That's a great technique. Yeah. Well, I guess we're kind of running out of time, but I just have one last question for you. I guess what is a piece of advice that you'd give someone who is graduating um, and entering the workforce with, I mean, you've been here yourself, same place as I am. And what is a piece of advice you give to someone like me? A piece of advice. Um, well, let's see. It's not, I, I wouldn't say this is the most important piece of advice because there's lots of important pieces of advice, but um, one is to be yourself, be your best self, let's just say. And that means when you get into an organization or when you're interviewing for an organization is to be okay with being yourself and don't worry so much about whether you fit the mold. Uh, be yourself. If you're a happy person, if you're uh, you know, a pleasant person, like be that. Don't worry about being too uptight and too nervous when you're trying to get those jobs. 
And then when you get into that job, I remember this very important thing. Remember that because you're the newest employee in that office, you actually have an advantage over everybody else. And your advantage is that you see everything with fresh eyes. Everything that's going on in that company, you have fresh eyes about. Everybody else has been there a long time and they sort of become blinded to processes that are not very good or market segments that haven't been tapped. Um, there's lots of or issues with the product, right? Mm -hmm. And so by being a new employee, remember that your voice really counts and it's really valuable. Don't be afraid to speak up and suggest thinking about certain things or suggest certain ideas. Thinking that you're too new to really contribute is the opposite of what you should do. You are so new that they can't afford that you don't contribute because you bring so much to the organization with a fresh perspective. Wow. That is something I will remember going into my new job that I can contribute so much more than I think I can. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much today, Brother Girl, for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah. And thank you all for tuning in today. We've enjoyed um, this conversation and we hope you have as well. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you. Well, well, don't forget to tune in next Monday as we have Elder and Sister McCarty as our guest for Mentoring Monday podcast. Um, I love them. They are amazing and you want to catch them. Um, and it's on April 18th at 3 p.m. And as for our Aloha Friday podcast, we will, have be, we'll, we will be having Randy Booth um, on April 15th at 3 p.m. as well. And it'll be exciting. Thank you so much for joining us and Aloha.